0: Welcome to the Five State Revival Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Mann. I do this podcast to invest in the move of God that's happening in our five-state region in South Dakota, North Dakota, Minnesota, Iowa, and Nebraska. Thank you so much for listening today. And I'm going to, in today's episode, I'm going to continue my conversation with Paul Goodman and Ray Vanderlinden. And we are discussing uh, the, not only the return of Jesus, but specifically, what is it going to be like on the earth after Jesus returns? You know, what, what is life going to be like for us uh, when Jesus is physically here ruling as King over all the nations, and there's a lot of content in the Bible <laughs> that talks about this, and uh, we we want to discuss it because it's uh, it's it, it fills us with hope, it fills us with faith, and um, anyway, it's going to be good to hear. So we'll get straight into it right after this word from our sponsor. To I want to actually spend some time talking about. Jesus physically being back on the earth again in a physical body as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, he's ruling the nations and, um, what that's going to look like. So, you know, the Bible does not paint a picture that Jesus returns to the earth for just a super brief moment to gather his people and then return to heaven and destroy the earth forever and say, man, that was a disaster. I'm glad that's over with just salvage what I can and move on. It's like, not at all. Uh, the Bible makes it clear that when Jesus returns uh he returns to the earth to stay forever and to reign with his people, the saints. So talk about let's talk about Jesus reigning on the earth after his return. What's that going to look like? Let's just paint a
1: biblical picture uh for people. Sure. <clears throat> um, my thoughts kind of go to the like the just kind of a zoomed out <clears throat> macro picture here where, you know, you look at Adam, right? He's the first Adam. And when we look at Jesus as the second Adam, right? The first Adam was given a mandate to manage the earth, to steward the earth with his bride Eve, right? Right. And their ultimate goal is, is, it's not exactly clearly stated in Genesis, but we see the conclusion of the matter at the end of Revelation, where the the end goal was to steward the w- world in such a way that it ushered in um, the throne of God the Father, that the uh, they were to build a place that's so wonderful and so in God's order that God the Father could descend from heaven and sit upon His throne on the earth with His children, mm. and so. Now, Jesus comes back as the second Adam to rule with his bride to restore the earth to a place that is worthy to receive the Father's throne resting upon it. So then I look at also how um, God sends the first Moses, but even the first Moses says, There's a prophet coming, right? And just like Moses sits on the on the Mount Sinai and receives the Ten Commandments, right? Hundreds and hundreds of years later, here comes the second Moses, Jesus, and he sits on the mountainside and he teaches the people, right? And he says, Um, he says, I have a kingdom coming. And blessed are you who are poor in spirit, and blessed are you who are merciful, because you're going to receive mercy.
0: Yeah.
1: And blessed are the meek because you guys are going to inherit the earth and you're going to steward it with me. And he tells them parables, like the parable, of the talents. He says, I'm going to give you certain talents and I'm going to, I'm going to pour into you certain things. And all you have to do is just use them wisely for God's glory. And then I'm going to make you, I'm going to give you more and you're going to help me when I return to be a steward of this earth and I'm going to give you a place of prominence in my physical reign upon this earth and you're going to help me restore the earth and we will partner with him as as a he's the new Adam and we're the new Eve his bride and they're partnering together to prepare this place for um, for the father and then my my mind shifts towards the first David and the first David, he cleared out the enemies from the region of Israel, right? That was, he was anointed to clear out the enemies, to clear out Jerusalem, to take over Jerusalem and have it be the capital city, which is the future future. And God so loved David and his heart that he said, I'm going to come. Jesus said, I'm going to come. I'm going to sit on David's throne. That's how much I love David. But, and so that points us to the second David, which is Jesus. And that Jesus is going to come back. And he's going, to, he's going to be coming back not as a meek lamb this time. He's going to be coming back as the conquering lamb. He's going to be coming back as the conquering lion. And so many people in the church today somehow think that Jesus is going to come back like a meek lamb like he first came. Right. But the Bible does not paint that picture. No. He's going to give people an ample opportunity to give their hearts to him, especially as the level of the Holy Spirit rises upon the earth. They're going to see great signs and great miracles that happen. And he's going to give them a chance to repent. But there's going to be some people that refuse to repent and still have a a cold, stony heart that resist even seeing physical, miraculous things happen. Mm. And they'll refuse to repent because their hearts are so embedded in wickedness. And um, Jesus, the second will be coming to dethrone evil rulers and powers.'ll um, but just like King David had King Solomon, King Solomon was the reigning king who reigned in wisdom and in peace and in times of prosperity. And just like and, and he, Solomon expanded the kingdom. And Solomon had great favor. And the, his wisdom influenced the many surrounding kingdoms. The major kingdoms of the earth were influenced by Solomon's wisdom. And so I just think about how once Jesus, the second David comes, then we'll have Jesus, the second Solomon, who will reign on the earth in wisdom and and. He will make the earth prosper under his rule. Amen. And um, he will restore the earth to just a wonderful, bountiful, blessed state of being. And so um, when I think of of Jesus' return, that's kind of what my mind goes towards, is these big macro themes where he gave us a foreshadowing in the Old Testament of things to come that he's going to reveal in even a greater level a greater scale than we can imagine so
0: that's awesome how about you uh ray when you talk about when you think about uh tell us biblical some biblical pictures of what's it going to be like when jesus after his return is here reigning as king what's the earth going to be like what's it going to be like living here
2: yeah i think of like isaiah 11 um, I think Isaiah 11 is probably the pinnacle of the, the, do you have, the scripture do you have it with of, you.
0: Do you have it there? I do. Yeah, I do. I have let's it read open. that. Cause I had it on, I had it written down. I wanted to actually just go through that scripture together. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. So let's just, let's um, go through that a little bit. Um, sure. So I got uh, uh, Isaiah 11 you're talking about is this, it's, it's th- this epic prophecy, honestly, about, um, <laughs> about the Messiah who will come and what his rule will be like on the earth. And I just, I, I think of an overview of Isaiah 11. I mean, just like the, the the first 10 verses is what I'm looking at. But I think of like one through five, it's the anointing of the spirit that will be upon Jesus for leadership. Uh, the enabling yeah. of the spirit and uh, that will, the kind of ruler he will be and the anointing of the spirit that's on him for that. Then six, th- verse six through nine is the effect gives us a snapshot of the effects of his leadership in the city of Jerusalem in particular, uh, during his reign. And then I, verse 10, it just kind of gives us a quick overview of the effects of his leadership on all the nations of the earth when he's on there. So why don't you just read it to us and talk a little bit about it?
2: Sure. So I'm going to read out of the, uh, ESV if you guys don't mind.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, there shall, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. So that's what Paul just talked about because he was talking about the throne of David, right? Right. And a branch from his roots shall bear fruit and the spirit. And this idea of the branch, like this branch prophecy, it's all throughout the old Testament. It's talking about Jesus. It's, it's really amazing. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. So a lot of commentaries agree, like, these are the seven parts of the Spirit of God. And so when, you, when we read about the seven spirits in the book of Revelation, you refer back to Isaiah 11. <clears throat> he shall not judge by what his eyes see or, dis, or decide disputes by what his ears hear. So when I, when I see this, like, first he's going to be led by the Spirit, right? He's not going to be like any other leader. He's not going to do anything for selfish gain. He's not going to do anything out of, like, his just human desire and flesh to, like, be powerful. It's all going to be under that submission to the Spirit. And he doesn't do anything by what his eyes see and his ears hear because he doesn't strategize the way men do. <clears throat> but with righteousness, he shall, judge, he shall judge the poor. So you hear that and you think to yourself, you're like, Wait a minute! I thought the poor were going to receive mercy. He's like, no, even the poor get judged. Just because you're poor doesn't make you innocent. <laughs> right? You know. And so then you go into the Sermon on the Mount, right? And you start thinking about those, you know, verses about poor, the poor. And it's Jesus is just all the way through. It's amazing. Yes. And, des- <clears throat> and decide with uh, with equity for the meek of the earth, and he shall strike. Uh, he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. And with the breath of his lips, he shall uh, kill the wicked. Dude, this is rough. Like, okay, so now we're getting into like uh, Isaiah 60 through like 65 type stuff. And, and this is where like Jesus gets, re- like we reject this side of Jesus so hardcore. And I'm not saying like we should jump in full to these verses and just be like, here we go. But we got to get way more familiar with this idea of Jesus killing the wicked.
0: <clears throat> Righteousness it's, actually, be the it's, belt it's actually an expression of his goodness it, really, it is. really is uh so because god is good he is going to he's going to fix the problem of evil in the earth you know so people are always asking how could a good god allow so much evil to happen and uh the good god is not going to allow it mm-hmm. to happen uh, he's not in the time he's yeah. going to step in and he's going to fix the he's going to remove all the evil from the planet and uh he has uh, plan a is he dies on the cross, we hit plan A is mercy, we repent yeah. right and he forgives us, gives us a new nature, and he fixes the problem of evil in us. Plan B is um judgment we don't repent, and um he says, okay, then i'm still getting rid of the evil on the earth, and if you 're going to cling to your evil you're you're going with it right and so we get to choose plan a or plan e b, but actually the judgments of the Lord are an expression of his goodness and his commitment to fill the earth with with uh, with righteousness and justice and peace. Anyway, oh, go ahead. So good.
2: Well, I, I heard uh so I, I took I've been taking an Isaiah class with Alan Hood. Alan Hood is like amazing when it comes to Isaiah. Oh, he yeah. does spend yeah. a lot of time just reading out of a commentary, but it's still super it's super awesome. His insights are really, really good. And one yeah. of the points that he brings out is he's like, Do you want to do you want to submit to the leader of the nation, the one that died on the cross? Or do you, want a leader, do you want to submit to the leader of the nations, the one with blood on his garment? And he's like, you can pick. And whichever one you pick determines where you go. And so we want to submit to the one that died on the cross. <laughs>
0: right.
2: They're the same one, but we want to be on that side of it. You yeah,
0: know? yeah. It's so
2: good the way he puts it. <clears throat> uh, so righteousness shall be the belt of his waist. And faithfulness the belt of his loins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat. And the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together. And the little child will and a little child will lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze; their young shall lie down together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the wean child shall put his hand on the on the. I think you say otters. Is it adders or otters?
0: Yeah. It's like and a, a mindset It's a venomous serpent.
2: Okay. So you see here, like, I, I, I see a lot of times, like, take, people take these these three verses and they, oh, that's, like, poetic, literature. like, it's just symbolism. But it's like, if you really think of Jesus' leadership, everything in those three verses, we're talking about Jesus' leadership. So yes. those are not far-fetched under his leadership. They're far-fetched under our leadership because our leadership creates a groan in the earth that's in uh, its intention, you know, and Jesus's leadership brings complete peace. I mean, it's even like when the, when the Holy spirit fell on Jesus, it was a dove and it was peace and it could permeate him and his whole body because he was sinless and without tension between him and God. But when the Holy spirit comes on us, it comes as fire, because we have tension and we need things burnt out of us and we need things burnt out of our mouth. And so it's like this leader, we create tension, you know, and he creates peace. And so it's like, we can't take these, these verses and throw them into a place of symbolism and be like, well, it's kind of a poem about, you know, the nature of God. It's like, no, it's, this is going to happen.
0: <laughs> it's yeah, it's literal. Every detail of it is literal. Like you think about the, the wolf and the lamb living together. And uh, the the you know all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's little. That's actually there's going to be like um, the effects of his leadership brings peace and harmony harmony uh, to all of his created order. So not only between nations, um, which I'm going to read I'm going to read Isaiah two in a little bit. But I was going to say Isaiah two, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and Micah four, same. But it's like um, where the effects of peace between people, between nations, but even in the animal kingdom, part of his natural creation, the hostility yeah. between animals and each other and animals and human beings is just completely removed under his leadership. And if you think about it, all those things are the, the result of the curse yeah. that yes. happened because of sin. It's like his first coming, he dealt with sin, and, and, and uh, you know, but and when he comes back, it's like even the effects of sin. Um, right. Are going to be totally fixed, and he's going to finish what he yeah. started in Genesis
1: one and two. Right, that shows like the restoration of yes. the entire earth. Amen. You know that that is essential to the concept of his blessed hope, and, and with it comes the restoration of the earth, and like you just said, the complete reversal of the curse. You know there was I, God was the first one to slaughter an animal to yeah. provide uh, clothing. For Adam and Eve and I believe before that there was no I you know personally you know I believe I don't think animals ate other animals then you know it was just harmonious harmonious living
0: yeah and I think of so I got this from I heard this from Asher Intrader and this this helped me so much Um, he he says I've got one sentence for you and if you can understand this one sentence you can understand God's big master plan for the earth and for human beings. And the sentence is: God's plan is to live on earth with His people forever. Mm-hmm. That that's it. Like that, that, that. When when He before He said, "Let there be light," in Genesis one, He had this blueprint uh, that He was building, and That was the blueprint. He's like, I am going to live on the earth with my people, and I'm going to do it forever and ever and ever. And you see in the first two chapters of Genesis, he he kicks his plan off and he gets the whole thing going. And then in chapter three, uh, the third chapter from the beginning of the Bible, um, an enemy comes in, Satan comes in, and in essence destroys his plan, destroys his creation. And then Asheron Trader says this, But the third chapter from the end of the Bible, God destroys Satan. And then the last two chapters of the Bible, he completes what he started in the first two chapters of the Bible.
2: That's so great. Isn't that good?
0: I love that so much. And it's like this. In the first two chapters of the Bible, you have God and people living together in a Garden of Eden paradise on the earth there's the animals there there's the natural dimension of creation the supernatural dimension of the heavenly part of his creation are intertwined seamlessly there's a tree of life in their midst saying in the last two chapters of the bible you have all those elements together again and and i love it because it's not like god had this awesome plan and satan came in and messed it up and god In essence, like at the end of the day, he destroys Satan, salvages at least something out of his experiment, but he didn't get to complete it. It's like, that's not the story of the Bible. God wins. Like he actually completes exactly what he set out to do. And so Genesis, you know, uh, Genesis chapter three, all the way up to, uh, you know, Revelation 19 is like the whole process or Revelation 20 is the process that God went through, (laughs) to restore it and to redeem it. But um, what he started to build in in the first two chapters, he finishes in the last two chapters. Um, So I I just, I love that perspective because it's like when you have this eternal vision that's in harmony with God's eternal vision for us and for the earth, the earth isn't going anywhere. The earth is going to stay here. Um, You know, I, I wanted to make this point too. The Bible doesn't talk about the end of the world. And a lot of times, you know, people talk about the end times They say, oh, you know, the end of the world. And it's like, no, the Bible doesn't talk about the end of the world. The the Bible talks about the end of this evil, present evil age. Age. Right. That's right. and, And the hope of the age to come when Jesus returns and reigns on the earth. So this age that we live in right now is an age marked by sin. It's, you know, it's predominantly, you know, evil rulers throughout the earth and evil people that they're ruling who are doing according to their own sinful desires and it's 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 a present evil age but there's a hope that when Jesus returns he's he's uh it's going to be an age of righteousness it's going to be an age that, the bible calls it the age to come because it hasn't it hasn't come yet until he gets here.
1: Yeah. That's good. That's
2: good. I think that so one of the things that I, has always confused me, and I've, I don't actually totally have this flushed out and we, we don't have to go into it too deep, but I, I can't remember the Bible verse. It's either it's in first or second Peter where he talks about the the world or the earth and it, it being engulfed in flame. Yep. And so I, I had talked to a, a few different guys about this and, at, you know, what do you think about that? Like what's the point of Jesus restoring the earth and then destroying the earth? Like, well, what, what is the purpose And when you just think about the overall story, this is how I've got it kind of framed out in my mind is, well, the Bible clearly tells us anything that's built for eternity will stand the test of fire. And so if we rebuild the earth with Jesus in the millennium from an eternal perspective, everything built from that point on should be able to stand the test of fire and everything burnt in that final fire was anything that was never meant to be to move on into eternity. Does that make sense? That's how it, fr- it That's frames cool. out in my mind. Yeah. Um, but again, I don't have that totally flushed out. It's just something I, I ponder.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's good, Ray.
0: I like that. I, w- I wanted to look at, too, at, uh, just real quickly at Isaiah 2. Um, this, this prophecy of Jesus reigning on the earth. It says uh, in, in Isaiah 2, verse 2 through 4. And basically, word for word, this exact prophecy is also repeated by Micah in chapter four, I think, verses one through four. But it says, uh, "In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be the highest of all, the most important place on earth." And of course, we're going to see in a few verses he's talking about Jerusalem. He's actually literally talking about the city of Jerusalem. It's going to be—it's like uh, for the United States, every nation has its capital, right? So the United States, the capital of our national government is washington dc and jesus is going to come back he's going to be the king of israel the nation israel the capital is going to be in the city of jerusalem in israel but as the king of israel he's actually going to rule over every other nation and people group on the entire planet and he's going to personally appoint every leader in every nation on the planet. So, he, they're, and, and this is what it's describing. And Jerusalem is going to be like the, God's government, his kingdom, is going to encompass every nation, every people group on the earth. And the capital of his kingdom is the city, Jerusalem, um, in there. So, that's what it's talking about. It's going to be the highest of all, the most important place on earth. It will be raised above the other hills, and people from all over the world will stream there to worship people from many nations will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of Jacob's God. There he will teach us his ways. Can you imagine what this will be like? He will teach us us his ways and he will walk and we will walk in his paths. For the Lord's teaching will go out from Zion. His word will go out from Jerusalem. So that's Jerusalem. It's like his capital. He's going to be, pouring forth his wisdom and his teaching his counsel
1: yeah.
0: uh, into the nations. And people will be streaming there mm-hmm. to hear his teaching with this eagerness, this heart of worship to put it into practice. And then in verse four, it says, the Lord will mediate bet- between nations and will settle international disputes. They will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will no longer fight against nation nor train for war anymore. And I think Micah four, it also talks about everybody will have his own garden and and have their own vineyard or whatever it is and live in prosperity. Um it's like the this is just this these pictures, these windows to see what it's going to be like to live on the earth when Jesus is here reigning is it's it's the hope of everyone.
1: See in this passage too, this is one of those passages I look at and I see Jesus being that second Solomon because yeah that is like like this concept of Jesus reigning in Jerusalem uh, was foreshadowed by Solomon reigning from Jerusalem and and nations would stream to Solomon to hear his wisdom and and the you know the queen the queen of sheba came to him and marveled and, yeah. and kings and rulers came and marveled at the wisdom the wealth and prosperity of Solomon and during Solomon's reign it was a time of peace yeah. there was no need for the the weaponry right so we see here it's a it's it's a peace time we're going to take all of the metals that were once forged as weapons and we're going to take take them and and turn them into agricultural tools yeah uh, and i bet you that'll be part of jesus's plan to restore the earth and have it be plentiful and bountiful. He's like, you know what guys, we don't need these AK 47s anymore. Let's melt them down. (laughs) Melt melt these tanks down and make some massive agricultural equipment with them so that everyone has enough food and, and uh, you know, Jesus will solve world hunger Yeah, and uh, we'll be helping them with his, his plan there. And so, uh, I was going to make a little snarky mark. You were reading that and say, "What? You know, ask facetiously. Wait a minute. It, like, are you are you sure this is right? I'm like, I don't see American here. Are you sure Jerusalem is <laughs> going to be above America? Wait a second. <laughs> I thought Jesus was coming back to Dallas, Texas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good. But I I I think this um, also is good to say is that Jesus' plan revolves started revolving around the Middle East and his plan ends around the Middle East. Absolutely. So the big players historically have been Israel and her surrounding enemies and God's plan will end with Israel and her surrounding enemies. And, uh, As a matter of fact, there are some passages that state, some. here are my notes here, there's some beautiful things that will occur, such as in Isaiah 19, um, whenever we hear in Scripture, it says, whenever we hear the term in that day, it's throughout the Old Testament, in that day, it talks about either the day of the Lord's judgment or the time after that, right? In that day, in the new age to come under Jesus' rule, it says there'll be a highway from Egypt to Assyria. This is in Isaiah 19. It says the Assyrians will go to Egypt and the Egyptians will go to Assyria. The Egyptians and Assyrians will worship together. And it says that that Israel will be a third triad nation amongst Egypt and Assyria, and they'll be a, like a jewel to the Lord, mm. and and, oh, and, and if you just see this beautiful picture of millennium of uh, animosity and hatred and fighting. The Egypt and Assyria are like from the beginning enemies to Israel. We see in the beginning of Genesis. It lays out all the ancestors that gave birth to these nations, right? It doesn't show just the lineage of the nation of Israel. At the beginning of Genesis, it talks about the table of nations. And here's this person birthed this person, and they birthed the nation of Assyria. Right. And then they knew, oh, that's where Assyrians came from because Israel and Assyria did not get along. Right. So not only does Genesis trace the uh, ancestry of Israel it traces all of Israel's enemies where they came from as well so this is powerful because under Jesus saying under Jesus' rule there'll be an end to the animosity of a millennium long struggle between people groups that hated each other so Jesus is bringing ethnic and racial harmony and reconciliation mm-hmm. and we see that that is a problem that is so on the surface of our society today. And where people are trying to to get each other to understand these things and bring about peace and harmony. But really, it's only under Jesus' rule that will cause the breaking of the curse. It'll cause a change in people's hearts, which will result in this harmony because it focuses on the man Jesus Amen. and not just using secular human power to bring uh reconciliation between Mm -hmm. people growth so that's a beautiful effect of jesus's return is we'll see um we'll see this happen yeah you know i i want to
0: just um uh you know I, i guess just wrap up this segment of the conversation just 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 encouraging uh, people you know some of the passages isaiah eleven one through ten isaiah sixty five seventeen through twenty five Micah four one through four obviously revelation twenty one through twenty two and there there's many other passages um that that talk about about these things what the earth is going to be like uh when Jesus is ruling as king and it, there it's, these are awesome passages to study, but I just want to encourage you when you think of your eternal future. Don't think of yourself sitting on a cloud playing a harp, floating in some kind of Nirvana state of like peace. But you know, I, I it just that—that's not the biblical picture. That's not in the Bible, yeah. actually. That's—that's uh, that's something else. That's not the the scriptural narrative. And when you think of your eternal future, think of the earth, think of being with human beings, think of governments. Think of, um, of having physical body. Uh, think of eating real food that's good. Think of even working, but it's enjoyable, pleasurable, fruitful work. But and there's no weeds and uh, obstacles and frustrations that get in your way and hinder you from accomplishing a vision. Um, just think of like, um, think of yeah, the earth and, and angels and God and uh, and the heavenly dimension and the earthly dimension being intertwined together, um, you know, just if you can just start thinking this direction, this is the biblical narrative. And I think a lot of times uh, what's I know what's messed us up is we've gotten some concept of eternity where it's like this ethereal thing that has no substance to it. Um, when in reality, it, it is peace, it is, but it's like friendships, deep friendships, relationships um, that are in Christ, you pick up right where you left off Only there's no sin in the way anymore. So the love's deeper and the enjoyment of each other is deeper than ever before. And we can go on and on, but I probably should wrap up uh, this section uh, of the conversation and we'll continue it. um, Yeah. In the next podcast. So thank you for listening to this episode of the five state revival podcast and I would want to ask if you could help me with something. I would love to get this content out to as many people as possible just to encourage others. So if you could do me a favor, if you know of somebody that would, uh, you know, you think that would enjoy and benefit from the content that, that's being put forth in these podcasts, could you share this podcast with them? You could send it to them in a text message in, in and on Messenger. Uh, share this on your Facebook page and tag some friends in it that you think might be interested. But I'd love to just build our base of listeners. And uh, that would be an awesome way that you could help me do that. So thank you again for listening. And of course, I'd love to hear feedback from you. You can email me at fivestaterevival at gmail.com. So that's the number five, staterevival at gmail.com. And I am look forward to connecting with you again on the next podcast. God bless you.